If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. Another stinking problem with this software. I've about had it with this. It will not take an audio feed. It just randomly drops it and will not reconnect. So... If you watch on Facebook, normally I'm going to try to get this thing rebooted, but I've got to do this, uh, kind of navigate this myself here, and it is not cooperating this morning, no matter how many times I restart and reconnect the the feed. It is just simply not cooperating, so my apologies for that. I have no idea why why it's doing that. I did this earlier as well, last week. Anyway, uh Madness. Madness ensues across the fruited plain. I don't know if you saw this. We talked yesterday about masks in the state of Indiana and elsewhere, which, of course, I'm located here in central Indiana, as those of you who listen to Freedom 95 are, but you may be listening somewhere else and not be in Indiana. That's okay because these things are really um, nationwide. Nationwide, we have these problems. D.C. Mayor, this is in the Daily Wire, D.C. Mayor has issued an order. Her name is Muriel Bowser. Mayor Bowser, Washington, D.C., has issued an order stating that anyone older than... Pause real quick. (laughs) Pause real quick. Yesterday we talked about in Indiana how you had to be, what was it, Uh, when we go to school, Governor Holcomb's order requires, what, seven-year-olds, excuse me, eight-year-olds to wear masks, seven-year-olds not to wear masks, right? We talked about that. We talked about some of the, you know, just inconsistencies. You know, you, you don't have to wear the mask while you're at lunch. But when I was a kid, now maybe they'll do things differently. I don't know. But when I was a kid, the only time everyone was together inside on a daily basis was in lunch. So the time when the most people are together, that's the time you don't have to wear a mask. But yet when you're in a classroom, uh, you do have to wear a mask. But only if you're eight. I don't know if there's seven and eight-year-olds together, what that looks like. But anyway, that's what Indiana's going to do. I don't want to get into that again. But D.C., Mary, uh, Mayor Muriel Bowser 
has issued an order that anyone older than the age of two who's caught without a mask is going to face a fine potentially of up to $1,000. Anyone older than two. How are they going to prove? What were they? I, I mean, maybe this is maybe in D.C. They're forcing uh, young children to have identification. I don't know, but how are they going to know? Anyway, she said at a press conference talking about her executive order that basically what it says is if you leave home, you should wear a mask. This means if you're waiting for a bus, you must have on a mask. If you're ordering food at a restaurant, you must have on a mask. If you're sitting in a cubicle in an office space, you must have on a mask. Again, we talked about the science of masks yesterday. I'm still thinking about making some masks that says science proves that this mask doesn't work. Really thinking about doing that. I mean, that's that's really what we're dealing with. That's what science has taught us. I know the pro-science community, the left, would tell you that that's not the case, but that is the case. We played some of that soundbite um, of a video yesterday going through going through those uh, studies and the research. That's what that is what um, science has taught us. But now, now we're to the point in Washington D.C., the nation's capital. The nation's capital, where if you are two years old, folks, and you're caught without a mask in public, you're going to get a $1,000 fine. I mean, what does she think that these two-year-olds are doing for a living? That's what I want to know. Of course, the parents will be held responsible for this, forcing parents to then have to worry about that. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I have children. They're a little bit little bit old. They're not older, but they're, you know, they're, what, 11 almost nine and and six. But I can think of many instances where, you know, if you're busy with the other two, you turn around, your your toddler took off his or her mask and threw it in the pond or in the trash can or whatever. These things are, I mean, is this, is this now going to be penalized? Anyway, that's, this is where we've gotten um, the fines, however, in the press release are threatened of, of being up to $5,000 and 90 days of imprisonment if residents – well, I'm sorry. That, that was for the stay-at-home order that she issued back in, back in March. So that was even harsher than what we're dealing with, with now. So you left home during her stay-at-home order. She uh, threatened you with a fine of up to five grand and 90 days in jail. So here's a here's a mayor that's never met an authority and a power uh, a power grab that she's not openly accepted apparently. So if you're two out in Washington D.C. down to age two, you can be fined up to a thousand dollars for not wearing a mask in public. I mean, we've truly gone insane here. We've we've literally lost our collective minds in this nation. And by the way, and, and kudos to Curtis Hill. I, I referenced this yesterday. Curtis Hill, the attorney general, the state of Indiana. Um, he he basically came out and said, "Hey, this in Indiana, right? This should go to the general assembly." We're we're starting to accept this idea, and I know you're not, but just. 
it's we're becoming more um we're exposed to it more we're we're becoming subjected to this notion more frequently now that if some chief executive mayor governor whatever says that we should do something or else the cops are going to arrest you you're going to get a fine we're coming we're becoming more and more i guess desensitized to this notion to this notion that that's an acceptable form of behavior for our elected officials. Folks, this is not – when you watch those little videos as a kid that show you how legislation is introduced and becomes law, there is nothing remotely close to this, right? There's nothing remotely close to this because this is, in fact, not how anything becomes law despite what these radical governors want you, want us to believe this is just simply not the way that this works. However, it is the way that it is apparently working today because we're in a state of what chaos, a state of panic, a state of confusion. By the way, did you see <laughs> did you see Dr. Fauci throw out yesterday, yeah, last night, whatever? Opening night for Major League Baseball. By the way, both, what was it? Every player on both the New York Yankees and Washington, I think it was Washington Nationals, I guess it was. I didn't watch. I just saw the the story. But every one of them knelt, uh, I think it was before the National Anthem. It could have been during, but I think I think it was before. But we had Fauci throwing out the first pitch. And folks, this pitch... This pitch was – I've seen some bad celebrity opening pitches before. Now, it's not as bad as 50 cents. <laughs> is that Curtis Jackson? Is that his name? He threw out a first pitch. I don't even know where he was. must have been New York. Makes sense. But he threw his – and I'm telling you right now, if, you know, it wasn't 90 degrees off from home plate, but it was probably – telling you right right now it was close to 45 degrees so if you're you know if if home our first base is 90 degrees to your to your left and home plate is zero degrees straight ahead he threw it close to the middle not quite a little bit closer to home plate dr fauci's pitch um came close to that as well dr fauci's pitch came close to that as well i thought that was actually quite Symbolic, giving the debacle we've had, and I don't want to blame. Look, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to open up a can with Dr. Fauci. I know there's some strong feelings about Dr. Fauci. Um, both ways from people. Some who think that he's, you know, intentionally deceiving and helping further statism. Others think that he's doing a fantastic job. I don't want to get into that, but just it was very symbolic of where we stand with our ability to wrap our minds around coronavirus for us to act in a, in a manner that makes sense, in a manner that is, you know, respectful of what we're dealing with, but also uh, not completely insane. It was actually pretty appropriate, given what I just told you about, say, Mayor, uh, Mayor Bowser, Washington, D.C., her order that two-year-olds could be fined up to $1,000. But I referenced Curtis Hill. Curtis Hill, state of Indiana, attorney general, 
says Holcomb lacks, Governor Holcomb here in the state of Indiana, lacks the authority to mandate masks. And basically what he says is, hey, this is something that should be sent to the state house, right, to the House of Representatives and the Senate. They should call a special legislative session to deal with this. This is not the job of the governor. Governor's jobs are not to make up laws. Governor's jobs are to enforce laws. You know, executive orders, executive orders are legitimate in in theory. An executive order is designed to supposedly under its its original intention. It's it's an order that is issued by the chief executive of whatever branch, the state, the federal government, that's the president, of course. But an executive order is designed to um, help that chief executive execute law that's been passed by Congress. It's not to create the law. That's the job of Congress. It's also not the job of the courts to create the law, which we've seen that as well. It's the job of Congress to do those things. So anyway, anyway, got a bunch of this stuff unraveling around us. Again, we got three buckets. I keep going back to that because I think it's absolutely true, and I didn't come up with uh, I had seen this before, but it's it's exactly right. There's the the virus itself, health concerns, being wise, trying to trying to be as safe as possible, not really knowing how effective we're going to be in preventing this spread. If it's you know if we're just going to have to get to herd immunity, how close we are to all that, how many people are going to be infected, how many people could potentially die from this. So that's one bucket. The other bucket is the economy. You start taking drastic measures. Not only do you have a health crisis on our hands that we really, I mean, still don't completely understand. In some ways, I don't know that we understand it at all, but we do understand the economy. We know that if we make it harder for people to earn a living and to engage in commerce, that causes catastrophic effects, and those are very dangerous as well. That needs to be cons- that needs to be given consideration. And of course, the third bucket is what we allow our government to do, what our government is doing, whether or not we hold them accountable for acting outside the confines of the Constitution, whether or not we make sure that our chief executives in the state or at the federal level, whoever, we hold these folks accountable. We hold them to working within the confines of the Constitution. And we hold the, the courts as well and, and our Congress people who are elected, which I've got some sound bites. I think I might, I don't know, I might, may or may not play those AOC uh, dropping, <laughs> dropping uh, some some expletives on the on the floor of the house. Uh, what was it yesterday? I guess. But anyway, that's the, the third bucket: making sure that our government does not overstep uh, overstep its boundaries, or when it does, which is probably more likely the case of where we are, when it does do these things, that we are prepared, equipped, and willing to make sure that that stops. And I don't think we're anywhere near that, and that's what's concerning to me. Anyway. So that said, I've got to take a time out here. 
I think I've got Facebook ready to go. So uh, if you watch on Facebook, I should have that up next segment. Apologize. It just takes uh, sometimes multiple attempts for this thing to to really do what it's supposed to do. So that said, quick time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. Okay, so I think I've got, I think I've got, here we go. There we go. All right, so we're streaming on Facebook. My apologies. It's uh, sometimes not very cooperative with me. So I want to move a little bit. This, by the way, I'll tell you on the first half of the, the program here that this is uh, next week I will be out. Next week we are we are off. Um, lots of stuff going on here that we'll talk more about as the time comes, but We'll be back uh, the first of uh, the first of August, but next week we'll be out uh, taking some much needed uh, time off. So um, this will be the last uh, the last program that we have here um, until the first full week of August. So, but I want to get into I want to get into the election. I want to talk about this for a minute because I think it's it's very it's very relevant. This is back there simmering on the back burner because even though we're in the midst of a campaign, we're not having a campaign. I mean, this is campaign season, right? We're in the the beginning phases, and we saw that you know Trump is what they, they've canceled the, uh, the the convention, right? We've got all the stuff with you know conventions that we usually get into near this time. Now it doesn't look like we're going to be really doing any of this stuff or in some limited fashion or you know it's just not going to be what it normally what it normally is and this I mean this candidly has a, a very negative impact I think on on the Trump campaign and not so much on the Biden campaign that's something else that they can avoid and not have to not have to deal with but this is where Trump excels this is what Trump does well Trump's out there in front of Large crowds, they're energized. They want, most Republicans want to vote for Trump. Some of them do so reluctantly. Some of them will not vote for Trump. They'll vote for someone else, which of course only furthers uh, the cause of the radical left, which is beyond my, I mean, I I understand their hatred and disdain for Trump. Um, I don't understand their logic. It it is it literally it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I I don't know. Maybe they're just embarrassed of of the tweets and they feel like uh, Trump is destroying the Republican Party. I find that ironic too because when I go back and I look when I look at certain elections in 2016, even when I I'll say this I, I've refrained from mentioning this specifically, but I even think. To the point of Indiana's Governor Holcomb back in sixteen, I remember at the time. Remember at the time thinking that this campaign was terrible. Um, you know, of course, in fairness, Pence was selected to be vice president. Pence was all set to run second term as governor of Indiana. That all, you know, was no longer going to be the outcome of the case, and so Pence goes to the you know, Trump campaign, and so there's this void. And so Holcomb runs, 
And I just remember at the time just thinking this – people don't even know who Eric Holcomb is at the time. Um, you know, there was already some – I mean Pence had alienated a lot of people in office, even conservative people. And there was real question as to whether he was going to to win. Now there's the you know, someone that no one knows on the ticket, basically. And it was just not a well-run campaign. And I don't want to be too harsh. I don't want to be too harsh because it's, I mean, th- there were realities there that they couldn't have planned for because it happened so you know quickly, really. That whole story with Trump. Picking Pence as his VP is a pretty cool story too, by the way. But anyhow, you have this um, you have this situation in sixteen where we were told Trump's going to destroy everybody down ticket. But the way I see it, the way that these folks need to see it today is that Trump pulled a lot of those folks across the finish line. I would even maintain Governor Holcomb in the state of Indiana. Governor Holcomb's upset some folks with his actions here. With coronavirus, not the least of those should be uh, list. You know, on that list, um, I should be included on that list. Now, the problem is, I mean, I'm not going to go vote Democrat or, or, or whatever. But it, the there's many folks who are upset. But my point is, is that Trump carried a lot of these people. I think not completely right. I mean, some people are going to vote for. Uh, the Republican candidate. I just don't know if it was enough without the Trump energy. I really don't back in 2016. And I I wonder that even today. Of course, there's very strong feelings both ways. I I think the left's feelings are personal. My feelings for Trump are not so much personal that I think he's the savior, so to speak. I just think because it ultimately comes down to the American people. This nation is based upon... It was built upon the idea that people will do what's in their own best interests, use freedom. People will use freedom um, appropriately. You know, almost that doesn't sound, but you know, to, to make good decision, decisions that, you know, enough people making decisions that are in their own self interest, it really means that it's in the interest of others as well. Selfishness and self interest are not synonymous. Selfishness ignores other factors. Self-interest starts with the idea that I am have to do what's you know what's right for me. I'm first and foremost responsible for myself. But you know, there's a there's other folks that are involved in this as well. And that's where sorry, watching Fauci throw out that first pitch. <laughs> but here it is again. Yeah, yeah. That's probably thirty degrees to the left. That hit about, I don't know, fifteen, eh. Probably 10 feet up the baseline, first baseline. That's probably fair. I know it's probably further than that. Anyway, um, but we've we've got this um, we, we've got this political state of affairs where people are worried about Trump hurting people down ticket and all this stuff, and Trump's going to get slaughtered. Some people predict, and all these sorts of things. But Breitbart here headline in this piece poll from ten battleground states. Reports of Trump's defeat, quote, greatly exaggerated. So there's a poll um, that shows that Trump in 10 battleground states, he's actually leading, I think I saw in seven 
seven of them. You ready for this? Trump holds, again, polling in July at some point is, is worthless, but Trump holds narrow leads in Georgia, Michigan, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. Of course, Georgia's concerning, but Michigan, right? Michigan, Michigan's going to be interesting. Michigan has people who have lived under the heavy hand of the great tyrant, <laughs> the great tyrant Gretchen Whitmer, right? The one who told them if they can fish on a fishing boat alone in the middle of the, the lake or not. That's not helpful. North Carolina's a concerning as well. But to look to see that Trump's ahead in Pennsylvania and Michigan, this is not supposed to happen. Biden, Biden's supposed to be the working man's president, right? Biden was on that train from Delaware to D.C. just, you know, every day, just working for the man every day for 50 years, right? He's basically been serving, serving, as they say, in D.C. for 50 years. And I see these, 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 these polls and of course, the end of the Trump presidency has been predicted more than anything else in modern history. Now polling, again, for whatever you take for polling. But you know it's not favorable to Trump, right? You know that it's not leaning towards Trump. Something might come out that's negative to Trump, and you're like, well, it's early, number one. Number two, it's always leans left. But if it's favorable to Trump, then experience tells you that it's probably more favorable to Trump than it even is right now. And I'm not glossing over there's there's real concerns, and this is far from a done deal. I've got people that I speak with on a regular basis that think Trump's going to blow Biden away. I think that's a possibility, but I think we have to be prepared for one heck of a fight here. I mean, we're looking at narrow margins in lots of states, and if those margins swing the same direction for one, you know, one way or the other, that's going to make the the election look, uh, you know, like a landslide potentially, or it could be very close if it falls, if certain states go one way and certain states go another. We're looking at a very, very uh, small amount of voters that could push it one way uh, or the other. So anyway, but Trump's ahead in seven, of, I think it's seven, seven of these 10 battleground states. And if he's in ahead, if he wins seven of the ten, I haven't done the math, but I mean that's really good for his chances at re-election. So that said, I got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. So, so I want to kind of uh, shift shift gears here, shift gears again to another thing. Again, I'll be out next week, so I want to hit some things that have kind of been I don't know floating around. Maybe um, actually, I'm gonna there's I'm gonna put this other thing on hold, and I want to get I want to go to this first. So this okay. You know that we're in census season. In fact, in fact, I think I've been contacted here to run um, public service announcements on the census or some such thing or have a guest. I can't remember exactly. Which, look, if you haven't done it, please take time to do it because it, it is important. These things determine. I don't. <laughs> I don't like all the way that this is this is promoted. Yeah, you know, this is promoted as, hey, this helps you get money for your community. I mean, we are so far off the beaten path. 
You know how you get money for your community? Newsflash, U.S. Census Bureau. It's by having a local economy that works well. It's by having low taxation, low levels of bureaucracy, lots of freedom, lots of uh, opportunities for folks because there's not interference from our government. That's how you get money in your communities. But yet we've it's amazing to me how how we've been trained to think, you know, we we now have money going to Washington DC and then they'll reassign it to the rest of us. And they need to know how much to reassign to us based upon how many people live there. And so you take this this census, that's how it's um that's how it's framed today. I want to help my community get the money it deserves. Let me stand up and be counted at the U.S. Census, blah, 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 whatever.com. Go do the survey today, which I'm not saying not to do that. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying the way that this is framed. Framed. There's another critical, actually the most critical factor in this, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, yes, it's it's good for governments to have an idea of how many people. That's just a good thing to know and keep track of. Census taking has gone back for millennia. In fact, it's tied to the story of, of Jesus, right? He and uh, his, his uh, Joseph and Mary traveled to Bethlehem to take part in the census, and that's why they were there when Mary gave birth to Jesus. Well, what about this? This is at Bongino.com, <clears throat> Dan Bongino. This says, report, California has six extra representatives because illegals in, are counted in census. So you remember this? There was a fight about this early on. In fact, if you listen to the ads, you'll hear this addressed. You'll hear uh, the, the voiceover artists say, "You know, there's no questions about you know they don't. You're not asked for a social security number. You're not asked for citizenship status." This was a big thing. I remember talking about this. I remember saying, "Why? Why would we not want to know?" citizenship i mean to me you count citizens that's the point of a census i mean we're now admitting it's just remarkable to me you know many people on the left will act like immigrate illegal immigration is not a, a not a big problem but yet it's such a problem that they know that they have to have a way to say look we're gonna can we want to count you we know there's enough of uh, enough of you who are here illegally that we want to count you, but we want you to know that you're not in any, any jeopardy by standing up and being counted. You're not going to be deported. You're not going to be tracked. You're not going to be exposed. You're not going to be you know, kicked out of the country over this. So they took, they took the question out, right? Remember this? Trump was trying to get, get this question in. Now we're finding out that the, perp, right, the purpose of the census is to get a count and then to determine how many representatives each state gets. That is the purpose. It wasn't originally to determine how much money you got, we got from Washington, D.C. That was not the the stated purpose of a census. That has become the way the census is portrayed today, absolutely, but that's not what it was for. It's for representation. Now, we're finding out, according to this uh, report that's being written about by Bongino, Matt Palumbo is writing this, posted yesterday. But we find out that six additional 
con- congressional seats in the state of California are given to California because of counts of illegal aliens. Think about that. Six congressional seats, folks. Now, there's 435 seats in the U.S. Congress, and that's a big number. But six, I mean, percentage-wise, of course, that's not huge, but that's a lot of seats. Six seats. If this <clears throat> if this analysis, which was conducted by a group called Unbiased America, they said blue states with large illegal alien populations like California are benefiting massively in terms of representation due to their non-citizens. And they estimate California has six additional representatives. Florida has one additional representative. <clears throat> New York has one additional. Texas has one additional. By the way, by the way, does this mean 11? Okay, no, 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 okay. So that's, that's a pretty big swing for, for these states. California, that's 11% of its current representatives are are have been what, constitutionally granted or whatever to the state of California based upon counts of people in the population that have – they don't have representation in Congress because they are not here legally. I'm not saying that these individuals are second-class citizens. Of course, they're all human. They're equal in the eyes of God as the rest of us. But this is not the way this is supposed to work at all. So I wanted to point that out because that's – if you haven't taken the census, and I get it, it's annoying. It's not as bad as you think. I remember taking it. I took it online. It took me maybe five minutes. It wasn't overly intrusive. Some of the stuff I thought, why? You know, really? Okay, whatever. But I did it. Did it a couple months ago. Took five minutes. When you realize that, you know, according to this report, if this is right, six – Six congressional seats. I mean, think about how that would shift. Where would those seats go? if they? Because they're going to be in the radical state of the People's Republic of California. That's where they are now because of illegal, immigra- you know, illegal immigration there. If those were not assigned and went to other states based upon real U.S. population, where would those end up and what would that look like? I mean, at some point, do we – are there enough seats to affect the – outcome of who wins the house i mean these begin you know the democrats want to talk about gerrymandering what about this gotta take a break listening to conservative not better talk i'm your host todd huff back in just a minute Welcome back. So the other thing – actually, I got several things I wanted to get to. But the other thing we got to look at here that's going on, um, of course, there's in many ways more than we can keep up with. But this – the cancel culture. And I'm not talking just about if some business does something someone doesn't like or doesn't respond in the way that the mob crowd expects them to, to, you know – what they expect them to do, how they expect them to behave. I'm not speaking about that. I'm speaking about the part of our cancel uh, culture that says, and I mean, maybe the same groups of people don't misunderstand, but it's it's a little bit different. We have representatives talked about representatives last segment, but we've got representatives across this nation that are out there pushing, and we know this to some degree, 
Ayanna Presley, one of them. Um, AOC, of course, one of them. Um, Elon Omar is one of them. Rashida Tlaib is one of them. And here's here's her plan. This is Congressman, Congresswoman, excuse me, Ayanna, Ayanna Presley. This is what she wants to do. Cancel rent, cancel mortgage, cancel student debt, right? Cancel rent, cancel mortgage, cancel student debt. They really want to cancel America. They really want to cancel uh, capitalism. That's what they want to cancel. They want to cancel these things that – and look, I'm not – I'm not one that says go into student debt or whatever. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I'm not defending or attacking these things. This is this is just the free market at work. Cancel rent, folks. Let me tell you, we we rent office space, and I'm I'm friends with the the landlord, and I'm grateful for that. You know, people invest in properties, and then they make properties available and affordable to people who want to, you know, in this case, this is commercial properties, to rent space for a business. How is how is that a bad thing? Should, should he do that for free? I mean, yeah, of course I'd like him to do it for free, but but should he do it for free? Does he, not, does he have an obligation to me to do it for free? Does your... If you're renting, does your landlord have an obligation to you to do it for free? I mean, the whole premise of them allowing you to use it is that you pay them for it. They're under no obligation. They think th- these dictates come from heaven. Well, I mean, what, what are they? What are they thinking? I mean, they're think. Actually, they're feeling. There's no thinking involved here. They're feeling as though rent is hard for people to pay, and it's popular to tell people you shouldn't have to pay rent, especially in places like New York City where rent is out of their minds crazy, right? So this is this is their this is the sort of stuff as we go through these you know uh, these these little crises uh, crises along the way. These are the things that these leftist opportunists are looking for that opportunity to say this, you know, you're hurting, here's the solution. And it's some radical, anti-American, anti-capitalistic sort of thing. By the way, no student debt. I mean, do people realize that professors get paid? These radical leftist professors oftentimes, they get paid. Where do they think that comes from? I mean, it's just, are they, are they, I mean, should we start, you know, demanding that professors do it for free? Why can't, why can't people who loan money for those activities? I, whatever. This long in this segment. Got to wrap up. Listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in a minute. All right, folks, here we are. Last uh, waning moments of the program. Facebook feed dropped again as well. <laughs> That's something when we return, we'll um, actually we got staff coming aboard that'll help hopefully iron some of these these things out. But so next week again, I'm I'm out. I'm out. Actually, we're not doing hour two today. There's some things I got to do before I um, I leave uh, leave town as well. So this is uh, all you hear from us here in 
the next week, but fear not. God willing, we will be back and returning on August the 3rd, that Monday. Um, got a couple of guest uh, hosts lined up, um, but we may also play some of our encores. But don't worry if you are scared, and I get it, you know, not to have this show for a week with me here. That's a tough thing to swallow, but there's archives of our show, com slash listen. You can also check us out on Facebook, our YouTube channel as well. You can subscribe to CNBU, Conservative Not Bitter University, to learn more about that. Text the word COURSE to 888-111. Subscribe to our newsletter. Text HUFF to 31996. But I've got to go. Have a great weekend, great week. We'll see you soon. SDG, take care.